Welcome back to another episode of Broad Street LinkedIn. I'm Reed back on with Griff and the birds still have not been Seattle in the past 15 years. Uh, Pete Carroll just has our number. Um, I don't know, man. The vibes are off. The spark is gone. Pick your poison. This team is just in shambles. You can point to almost every aspect of the organization right now. Um, what are what are your first thoughts on this game, Griff? Um, definitely panic mode. Uh, I I mean I know Jalen Hurtson plays best, but I still will blame the the coaching. I mean, the game management down the stretch, the play calling down the stretch. I guess some of Hurts' decisions down the stretch. I mean just horrible and you don't need you don't need to blow out the Seahawks there you just need to get out of there with a win and they had it and they had it and they really I mean, yeah they, they were leading the whole game they were leading the whole game two shots down the field I mean maybe you could chalk that up to the whole game but you know they just couldn't get it done you know they're like two first downs away from that game being over maybe one first down I think yeah one first down because the Seahawks got the ball back at the minute 30. So they're a first down away from ending that game, and they take the shots down the field, and yeah, it's horrible. I mean, what, they got the ball – they gave – they got the ball back up. Four. Yeah, no, but up 10, right, with four minutes left? Oh, no, up four. Yeah, up four. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just – I don't know. Can you remember the last time Quez has made a big play for us? Like going back to that Super Bowl drop, it seems like every time we take a shot to, at Quez, and I get it, he was held, missed call. I understand that. When has good things ever happened from airing the ball out deep to Quez? I feel like every time it happens, it's like a turnover or like something, a fumble on that one play. Like I, I just don't understand why we keep going back to him. And it's kind of Jalen's fault in this situation too, right? But at the end of the game there, it's like, why are we airing that ball out? We're 10 yards away from Jake's range. We know how clutch he is. And I know on that screenshot, like you'll see Kenneth Gainwell wide open on the, um, what's it called? Just the dump off pass. But I don't know. I just don't understand what we're doing. There's decision-making there too. And one thing I think that speaks volumes. I don't know if you saw this. I saw this after the game. McCaffrey was on the Manning cast. And, like, before plays were happening, he Christian McCaffrey, like a running back for our biggest rival, is calling out exactly where, what we're going to do. And we were texting about this during the game. It's like we know the play calls before they're happening. And if me and you know it, we damn well know that the defense knows it. And it's just the fact that McCaffrey is on national TV just calling out our plays before they happen. It's just like that just speaks volumes to how predictable we are on offense. and. Yeah, I mean, what what do we do? Do we do we move away from Brian Johnson? That would bring more instability to our already teetering organization at the moment. But what do you think? 
I I don't know how you can move forward with Brian Johnson. I don't know how he – I mean, and Sirianni will go to bat for him after every game. I don't even know what, like, Sirianni does at this point <clears throat> because clearly – I mean, after a game, I mean, I don't know. On Twitter, Slay's like – everyone's on Twitter. AJ Brown's on Twitter. Slay's on Twitter, like, kind of telling the fans to, like, shut up and all this. And it's just like, what – like, does Sirianni have control of the team? And then also – my thing with Brian Johnson is like he's called the same game plan all year and all year we've scraped ourselves through games and we got 10 wins and yeah, he is deserves credit for 10 wins, but how many bubble screens can we throw? Like I want to see <laughs> a spreadsheet on our uh, game per play on the bubble screen. It's got to be like under three yards. It's probably yeah. negative at this point. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's horrible. And then the one that was really brutal, real quick, I want to jump in. The screenplay to Goddard, like, for, all right, first of all, even if it worked perfectly, he would have gotten like three yards. But it was a screenplay to Goddard with Smith blocking when they had two corners in the safety shading and the outside linebacker right there. It's like, first of all, Smitty got completely overpowered. We're lucky it wasn't a pick six. But like, even if that works, like, what you want Goddard to break two tackles for the touchdown? Like I also yeah, Goddard like if Goddard's lining up on the outside, like a yard behind Smith, like they we do this all year. Like they they know it's it's so obvious. I mean, you can predict the play. Like like you said, it's so obvious that it's coming because they call the same plays all year and they don't work. And we've just been bailed. I mean, like when we get our guys down the field, they get open. Like I don't know why we get away from it all of a sudden, and then it costs us games. And that was, like, just a perfect example of a game that, like, there's no way the Eagles can lose it. And they find a way to lose it. And I get it. You're in Seattle. Like, it's a weird place to play, especially at prime time and night. Not Drew Locke. We can't can't make excuses for Drew Locke. I mean. Yeah. Drew Locke. I I mean, good for him. Like, that was a good drive. But if Geno Smith is in that game, we lose by 30 points again. I don't know. It's it's just so bad. I have no faith. The one thing that bothers me as well is that first drive, right? You see that 2022 Philadelphia Eagles glimpse. You see the RPO. You see the read option. You see A.J. Brown slants in the middle of the field, giving guys opportunities to make yak plays after the catch and a great mix of running and passing. And then we just abandon Like It works, and then we just abandon it. And then it's just gone. And then it's screen, QB draw, screen, QB draw, screen, QB draw. And it just – it makes me want to rip my freaking hair out. Like, it's just – it's criminal to watch. It's torture. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand. I really don't understand the play call at the end of the game, especially when we were running the ball pretty well. Like, not as good as we could have, or I guess, like, as dominant as we have been when we're dominant. But – we were running the ball pretty well. And, like, you had the opportunity to end the game and not even give the ball back twice. We had the opportunity to do it in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And we didn't. And we were up 10 with one of them. We let them get the field goal. And then when they gave them, they got the field goal, we punted. Then they punted back. I was like, there's no way. Yeah. You know, we get the ball back with four minutes. They have one timeout because Pete Carroll was. I mean, that was horrible out of Pete Carroll. <laughs> How did we lose that game? Allowing man. us to challenge. And then Julian Love makes two great plays, but it's just like 
I know the last play to go route, and he honestly did have A.J. Brown. If it was a little bit of a better throw, um, he did have him. But then I just don't – like, you don't need – you don't even need that. No. He's, it's still being double coverage, but, like, I don't know why A.J. Brown's running a go route. Like, you have 15 seconds to get 15 yards. You don't need 40. Like, and if any, like, I guess they have three timeouts so they could protect the clock, but just – I, I don't know. It was – as I'm watching I, – I mean, I texted you. I was like, the Seahawks are going to win this game. Like, Yeah. We just, we, just, we just kept giving them opportunities to linger around. Like, eventually it's going to like – the storybook ending is going to happen and Drew Locke's going to do that too. If you give them the ball three times in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter, our defense isn't good enough. And our run yeah, defense I, is horrible. I think this game – not including like the last three, the last two losses we had, but how Seattle won this game is how we've been winning games all year. The other team has a chance to step on your throat, like the whole game, they don't. And then you make the play when you need to. And that's how Seattle beat us. And it's like, you know, we've been worrying about this all year and now it's just full on, like you said before, panic mode. It's like, we can't beat anybody. We can't beat Drew Locke, a certified bum in this league with that Seahawks team that's dropped four in a row. And it's just, it's, I don't know. You can't, I, I don't understand how we run a sick flu symptom hurts 13 times, Brian Johnson as well. 13 times you ran it with, I mean, I, it is our best play, but like you can't do that to your quarterback who's might've not even played that game. Cause he feels so awful. And like, I, I don't know. I, I don't his know. Knee, you know, his knee's not 100%. And speaking of knee injuries, I think we might have seen the last of Slay in an Eagles uniform. I don't know. I mean, it's a weird, like, a weird time to get that surgery, get, get his knee scoped. He's on the wrong side of 30. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if we'll see him in the regular season. And then, I don't know. We might might have seen the last of Slay. And yeah, a lot of the online stuff too, like what he's saying on his podcast. It seems like, at least from his perspective, he does not want to be here. And it also seems like he's kind of lost touch with the organization. Like, you know, he's saying, I played a great game against Dallas. The guys didn't and things like that. It's like, all right, well, you're clearly not part of the team really anymore it's if you're saying things points, like yeah. that. Yeah, it's like 33 points. And you're, the, you're one of the captains of the defense. You know, it's just – It's a team game, right? So – one uh, one positive I do want to – I will note, um, because you brought up uh, Slay being most likely gone, I mean, I don't – there's no world where Bradbury's back, right? I mean, maybe as a depth piece, but um, Ringo and Ricks, Keely Ringo, Eli Ricks, our two young guys, uh, combined in coverage tonight. They gave, they were uh, combined 0 for 5, 0 yards, 1 pass breakup by Ringo and a 39.6 rating. So, I mean, it looks like we're watching our two starters for next year, uh, you know, come into, come into a little bit of a rhythm here and get some snaps. But one thing I'll say about Bradbury, I think this speaks volumes, right? Most crucial part of the game, Seattle doesn't go to Lockett. They don't go to DK Metcalf. They don't go to the – they don't attack the young guys like Keely Ringo or Ricks that are on these guys. They attack James Bradbury. And I'm stealing this from Derek Gunn. But, I mean, what does that tell you? That in all these big moments, who are teams attacking? And it's always Bradbury, even though our secondary is trash. And it's, I, I mean, 
enough said, right? I mean, I can't see us bringing him back as a, as a starter next year. It's just, you know, we see it all the time with DBs. Like one year can change a lot. And I think, like you said, with Slay, the age is just caught up to Bradbury. I mean, you know, we've been giving him a little bit of slack all year because of how well he played last year. Like, you know, maybe needs to get into the rhythm of things, figure it out. Like, no, nah, he's he's garbage. I mean, that he's he's terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And I I do kind of feel bad because he's always owned it. He's never, ever not taken accountability. And that's something that's like, I mean, I value that. And, like, it's cool to see. I mean. I agree. I mean, yeah. you hear what A.J. Brown said. He's like, we just get told to run the routes. <clears throat> and then we run them. Yeah. Like, my A.J. Brown's a diva. And, like, we knew that getting him. And, like, he can be because he's that good. And I agree with him. I 100% agree with him. But, you know. You don't you really want him. that coming out. But, you know, Bradbury takes accountability, and it sinks because, like, he knows it, and everyone knows it. That, like, who else are we putting out there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think my last, my last question, or no, I guess my a big question is, is Jalen Hurts the guy? You know, I – I was a late bloomer on Hertz. I'll admit when he got drafted, I was very annoyed. I thought Carson Wentz was our guy. Um, and then I've almost come full circle to the other way where I'm I'm such a Jalen stan, like, you know, sticking up for him, believing in him. You know, I, I do still think he's the guy. I You know, he was very sick going into this game. And like you said, I, I, I would – you know, he missed some throws. I'll give him that. Um, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the, of the doubt with the sickness, but – I am I'm blaming I mean this is exactly what you said but I agree I'm blaming the coaches the coaching and the scheming before I'm blaming Hertz at this point from what I've seen because I don't know I don't know if I'm just delusional if I just like truly am hanging onto a thread because if Jalen isn't the guy we're back to Carson Wentz dilemma except we don't have a guy like Jalen waiting for us um but I mean all I can do right now is just hope he's still the guy. I mean, I do believe it. I truly do with, with my heart. But now that you've asked me the question and I'm trying to fight for a reason, you know, to justify myself, I'm realizing it's pretty marginal marginal there. But, um, I mean, I, I'm still full in, all in on Jalen. I'm not even considering trading him or anything. Uh, I'm curious, what do, what do you think about that? I was, like, kind of going back and forth today because you watch him, he doesn't look confident, he hasn't all year. And then I was like, look at the Colts banged up, yep. banged up. And, and they're, they're probably going to have a playoff spot. And, you know, that's Steichen. And, and Steichen took Hurts from a guy who, like, people didn't even think he should have been drafted to one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in the league. So, you know, credit to Shane Steichen, I think. You know, I think it's clear. And maybe Gannon with the defense. I mean, Gannon's a weirdo, but. I don't know. Like, you look at what Shane Seikens doing with Gardner Minshew, who was a Philly quarterback under him, went with him to Indianapolis. I think they're seven and seven right now, right in the hunt. They're battling, and they've they've been banged up. They've been missing guys all year, and they're fun to watch. Yeah, if that makes any sense. Like right now, the I mean, I, obviously they're losing, but even when like when the Colts lose games, it's like that was a fun game. Like that offense produces. It's fun to see Gardner. Gardner slinging around and you just there's no life with our offense it's like a, it's like dead corpses running around out there it's it's 
Yeah, I, I mean, that's a great point. Steichen has proven how valuable he is. I mean, you know, he kind of says it. Uh, well, Big Cat, you know, he always splits his coach of the year votes on part of my take. But it's funny. He's like this year it's it's a solo Steichen vote. And I'd have to agree. Um, the, the thing I'm th- I mean, I shouldn't be thinking about the future already, but I don't see why unless someone else can offer him the head coaching job, why we don't bring Frank Reich back in. Um, but that's where I'm at right now. Cause I mean, I don't know, like that, the, the instability that Sirianni caused by fire, like demoting Desai and in the secretive manner that he did, if we demote Brian Johnson as well, it's going to, it's just like, this is, these are all the signs of a collapse of an organization. Um, but I had one question for you because I've been hearing it on talk radio all you know past past day and like I said in the beginning you know pick your poison there's a lot of things to blame but if you had to pick one one factor one person one thing that is the most to blame for the Eagles struggle this past three weeks or even just this past game what would you say is our biggest problem it's an impossible question to answer but I'm just curious as to your thoughts I I just go back to to the offensive game planning. I mean, our offense extremely outweighs our defense in terms of talent, and we seem to just can't make good use of these guys. And, and would you say that's more on Sirianni, or is that more on Brian Johnson? It's, it's got to be Johnson. I don't know what Sirianni does, but it's got to be on Johnson because if he's calling the plays, and obviously Sirianni's an offensive money coach, so he's probably in that game planning, but ultimately Brian Johnson's doing the play-by-play. And our offense does not flow, has no rhythm. It hasn't. And our defense, honestly, hasn't – I didn't think they played that bad against Seattle. I mean, they made some big stops. Um, Agreed. Um, it was Drew Locke, which I kind of, like, factor that in. But they, they definitely improved. I, I mean, mean, it's Drew Locke, but, like, he's he's got five games under his belt, like, like Orton Rowe. Like, I don't think – I mean, you can't count anyone out. Um, I mean, look at Joe Flacco in Cleveland. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't you can't apologize for winning, no matter who you have. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it's just I still think if you if you can hold a team to like fourteen points or because ten points for you know three and a half quarters, you should be able to win a game with our offense, and we can't. Yeah. Like we should if we should be able to beat a team that's going to put up you know thirteen points in. You know, I guess they scored in the last seconds. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious as to their roles in actually developing plays. You know, because look, Brian Johnson's play calling. Yes, we can. We've harped on that all year about how terrible it is. But I, I was just thinking, like, I don't know. I'm just weighing all these different possibilities in my mind, trying to think like what could be wrong. And I was thinking about this in my head. To be fair, if Nick Sirianni is the the most influential factor in creating these plays. Yes, Brian Johnson's the play caller, but if all his plays are just garbage, and you see it, like, dude, still, there's no pre-motion snap movement. There's no creativity. There's just nothing. It's just, like, the most boring, stagnant offense ever. And I don't know. I was just thinking maybe if Brian Johnson has no, not even, like, a good play to call, and that's, like, a weekly prep thing. But we need answers. Um yeah. Obviously the one seed is gone. Um I mean the Niners would need to drop two of their next three. Uh, you know, 
you would hope. I mean, and honestly, this loss almost makes the season more exciting because the two seeds better. The two <laughs> seeds better for us. Yeah. If we play the Cowboys and the Niners again, it's going to be horrible. Even if we're at home, it's going to be even yeah. worse. Yeah, it's it's just like it almost makes it more exciting because now it's like right now it looks like we can beat nobody. So it's like, yeah. oh boy, like are we going to beat New York this week? Like it almost makes it more exciting. But you know, I mean, if you you gotta you gotta hope that we can beat the Giants, Cardinals, and Giants, then we're in the two seed. And look, once you're in the dance, you're in the dance. Anything can happen. I'm a firm believer in that. Like. Even when the birds got in against Tampa and got smoked with Brady against Brady, I was still like, "Look, we're in the dance. Anything can happen." So right now, let's let's try and let's try and calm it a little bit and try and get that that two seed. But the two I, seed, I, I mean, the two seed for us, a struggling team. We we start the playoffs with the NFC South winner. Yeah. Right. Or no, no, no we play no, the, the, the last wild. Seed the last wild card seed, which is probably going to be how crazy is that turn of events? Two NFC South teams are probably going to make it. So we're probably yeah. going to get the second place uh, team out of the NFC South, which is most yeah. likely going to be saints or bucks. And that, I mean, you have to imagine that's a win and eat like an easy win. You, you know, nothing's given, but no, if you don't beat that team handily, then it's just like, what What are we doing? And then you get Detroit. And then Detroit, I don't think, scares anyone, especially if they have to play outside in the link because they can really defense. only play. So then you, you you don't have a walk to the NFC Championship, but like it's, I think it's better than having a bye and then getting kicked in the mouth by Dallas at home because like, that's, that's what so I would think funny. would happen right now. That's like, so funny because last it, it could be the perfect ending to the season. Yeah. Dude, it's so funny because if you guys have been listening these past couple of weeks, you know, we've been talking about this hypothetical for a bit. And when the Eagles were still looking good, I, I was so convinced. I was like, no, nah, I would rather have the one seat in the bye. But now that we're losing, it's so crazy how, like, the human brain works. I've just, like, unconsciously convinced myself, like, no, no, no. Actually, the two seed was the better decision. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think – I mean, I've, I've been saying this all along. Like, we yeah, already you lost have, you have. At yeah. home to the Niners. So if the Niners are what you're like worried about for the home field advantage, we got destroyed at home by them. So clearly they're not phased by that. And they're a well-coached team and usually well-coached teams aren't like that. And then the playoffs, it's a little different, I think, because it means more to, the, to to everyone. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, don't we're, know. Uh, we're running a, t- a teeny bit long, but I, I just – I'm so – hypotheticals get me. I just want to ask you one more hypothetical before you wrap up. So let's say all goes well. We get the two seed, beat whoever is the seventh seed, beat Detroit. You're going into the NFC Championship game. Would you rather play 49ers on the road or Dallas at home? Dallas at home. Dallas at home. I mean, you just saw what they did in Buffalo. Cold, crappy weather. And it's, I mean, that team, they're they're flawed just like we are. The Niners are. Well, I mean, Christmas Day night is going to be an epic game. Ravens, Niners, probably the two Super Bowl favorites right now. I'm just so surprised so- that the Niners are like almost six point favorites. Five and a half. Are we? Are yeah. we? I mean, are we hammering? I feel like the Ravens might be a public dog, and like public dogs never public dogs never go well. But never. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the NFL is really interesting right now. So many teams are are in the hunt. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, 
sucks that we've been having shitty Mondays and Sundays, but I mean, yeah, the NFL is great right now. Um, so yeah, I did Dallas. have one more thing. What oh yeah, think? yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Dallas. Me too. I think it's pretty obvious, especially because we're looking poor. You always want to play a divisional team when you're the worst team, right? Because you want it to be a shit show and divisional gritty game. Um, obviously, the home factor plays a big part too. Um, but I'm just I was I just got lost in thought thinking about how unbelievably epic a Cowboys Eagles NFC Championship game would be. I mean that that would be incredible. That would I mean, be what would hurt more would definitely be a loss at home to the Cowboys. Oh god, and then a road, and then a road loss. <laughs> yeah, hurt. that would definitely hurt more. <laughs> but you know, risk reward. I mean. Oh man, beating Dallas in the NFC Championship would be so sweet. Yeah, and we'd probably be—I mean, depending on how if Cowboys were to like beat up the Niners, we'd probably be like big dogs. Not big dogs, but I don't know. We'd probably be a I home dog. We, I think we'd be home dog. I think. Yeah, if, if they beat the Niners, because the Niners—that would be the first game they play, right? No, they'll play in the second round. Dallas will beat. Um, no, because the third round is the NFC Championship, right? Yeah, the second round will be when they play the divisional round. Yeah, but they won't. So, but that'll be the Niners' first game. Oh, first game they play in the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. yeah it will. So, like, if the Cowboys beat up on them after they have two weeks to prepare. Yeah. And then we're know. dropping, dropping. Like the it's panic there. mode, but we still are in the driver's seat. Like we have a clear path to the NFC Championship, and yep. we'll probably be favored in every game. Until the NFC Championship, if we keep if we get the two seed, yep. Fire me up, I'm back. Um, That's the road to an Eagles Super Bowl, ladies. I said it, two seed, two seed. That's right. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Broad Street LinkedIn. Uh, Rough past three weeks, but let's figure it out. Let's bounce back against uh, Tommy Cutlets on Sunday, and as always, uh, go Birds.